Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians, and in the previous message I was in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I was explaining in the previous message that in most cases people turn to God for the purpose of obtaining physical blessings in their lives. This often happens when a person experiences a significant change in their lives, such that they may want to have some divine intervention to help them make it through a transition in life. This is common. When people redefine their lives, they consider adding God as part of the definition of what their new life might look like. There are many opportunities in our lives to experience loss and suffering. Sometimes we turn to God as a way of trying to get compensation or equivalency or somehow just simply recover from our losses. We look to God and ask him to bless us and so that we might be able to recover from some physical losses that we've experienced in our lives. And one of the reasons why people pursue this is because the Lord has had a lot to say about blessing us in our flesh giving us physical blessings, and I explained this in the previous message. But what people will discover is that, in general, God doesn't deliver. He doesn't do what people ask him to do. He does not bless them in their flesh as they would like him to do so. Now, I'm not saying that he won't, because I can point out a few circumstances that I have encountered where I do believe God intervened in a divine way, in a physical way. I'm not saying that he won't do that. What I am saying is that people make the assumption that he will, and they will often reject God when he does not deliver in the way that they expected him to deliver. And these are problems because that is not the primary purpose that God has in our lives. His purpose is that we may know who he is as a person, that we may have a personal and individual relationship with him. That's what he's doing. That's what he's about. That is why he created us. So when we deviate and think only about ourselves and we think about the indulgence of our flesh and we expect that if there's a God, that's what he's going to do for us. He's going to contribute to our indulgence of our flesh. And if he doesn't, then for us to reject him for that reason, Well, we might very well be that kind of person that he just doesn't want to have in his life anyway. He is looking for those who want to have a legitimate relationship with him that he is willing to have. He is looking for people who will turn to him for who he is because he is God. He is the definer of all life and the definer of all truth. That's the kind of person that he's looking for. And there will be very few people who will turn to him 
with that kind of an attitude. But at least he will get some. Some is definitely better than none. Now, again, in verse 3, he speaks about the spiritual blessings that we have received in the heavenly places in Christ, which is a general summary of the fact that we have been blessed by our God in Christ Jesus because we are in Christ Jesus and being in heavenly places is a way of saying that this is in the spiritual dimension. It is in the realm, it is in the dimension of our spirits, that part of us as a person that connects us to our God. And this part governs our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. So this is the connection that we have with our God, and our God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, which means that whatever he is giving is obviously something that we would like to have. Unfortunately, it turns out that most Christians are so preoccupied with the desires of their flesh, they're so interested in what God may deliver so that they can indulge their flesh, that in general these things have no relevance to them whatsoever. This is unfortunate, and there is the hope that a Christian, in this kind of a condition, would grow and mature, and at some point they would recognize that what they keep looking for from God is not what he came to deliver. And when they will recognize that, they will then turn to him for what he did come to deliver, for what he does genuinely offer, and to discover the value of what he has given all spiritual blessings that we may be able to make use of in our lives here on this earth. And even though these blessings are, of course, spiritual in nature, of course our flesh is going to experience the benefit of what happens within our hearts, within our spirits, within our souls. There is relevance, and when people do not understand the relevance of the spiritual blessings that he has already given to us in Christ Jesus, that's their problem. That's not God's problem. That's our dysfunction. That's our issue that we should struggle with and we should overcome. Now, a summary of the spiritual blessings that we have received, I think, can be well described in the gospel. Because the gospel, the good news, is the giving of eternal life to us, the giving of himself to us, and this is the experience, the experience of being saved. This is the experience of receiving all of the blessings. So I think it's important to start with a clear understanding of the gospel. I have, of course, produced radio programs on the subject of the gospel. I do have a program in the Living God Ministries radio archive just for that purpose, the gospel. I also have a set of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and in the first two programs I talk about the gospel in detail there because it is applicable to the subject of forgiveness. It's necessary in order to understand forgiveness. So I'm not going to talk about the subject of the gospel in detail in this program. I'm just going to give you a brief summary of how I describe the gospel because 
everything I do teach is based on my understanding of the gospel. The gospel is the foundation for everything that we have in Christ Jesus and everything that our God reveals to us once we have been born again by the Spirit of God. Now, I have found that the simplest way to describe the gospel is to talk about it in the context of a problem and a solution. The problem was well described in the first three chapters in Genesis. If you turn to the book of Genesis, you will discover in the first three chapters that God created humanity, and in creating humanity, he breathed within Adam and Eve as well the spirit of life. The spirit of life that was breathed within them was the Holy Spirit of God. That was what made them a living being. Life was also breathed into the animals. You can read about that in later chapters. But the grammatical representation of that was different in order to show that the life that was breathed into the animals was different from the life that was breathed within humanity. The words that were used in order to describe the life being breathed into Adam were words that described the Holy Spirit of God. This was written using specific and unique grammatical constructs that describe this. So this was the creation of mankind, that God created man spiritually alive. And then God gave the law in the Garden of Eden He told them that they can eat from any tree they want to, from any plant, any bush, anything they want to eat, they can have except for one tree that he wanted to keep for himself. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told them, listen, the day that you eat from that tree, in that day you will surely die. And that was also written in a unique grammatical way in order to say that absolutely In that moment, on that very day, without exception, this is not something that's going to happen hundreds of years later, this is going to be immediate. You will absolutely die. That is what will happen. Sure enough, in Genesis chapter 3, they ate from the wrong tree, and they died. But as you continue to read, you discover that they seem to be quite active for a couple of dead people. They did some gardening, they had some children, This is not what you would normally expect of a person who died in that day, in that very moment when they ate from the wrong tree. And the reason why is because of the definition of life and the definition of death. Death is the absence of life. But in this case, it was the absence of the life of God. It was the absence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he was talking about. And that's why it was a spiritual death. The physical death came later. It was a consequence of the spiritual death that they experienced in the Garden of Eden. But this describes the problem. The problem is that they are spiritually dead. And everyone who has been born from Adam and Eve have been born into this world without the Holy Spirit of God. They have all been born into this world spiritually dead. We are spiritually dead when we are born into this world, which means that we do not have the Holy Spirit of God within us. We do not have a connection with him. We do not have a relationship with him. That's what it means. And so this is part of the problem. Now, if God restores the Holy Spirit to somebody, 
Well, it's not likely going to be very long before they lose the Holy Spirit again because they're going to commit sin just as Adam and Eve committed sin. So everyone else since then has been committing sin. And in accordance with the law, God has proclaimed that the wages of sin is death. The principle of that expresses the fact that the sin issue has to be resolved. It has to be resolved before the death problem is resolved. This describes the problem between mankind and God that needs to be solved. Sometimes I will also refer to this as the bad news. The bad news is that we've got sin that has to be resolved, and we also have the spiritual death problem that needs to be resolved. The good news is that our God solved both of these problems, and he did them in order. First, he solved the sin problem, and the way that he did that was he forgave sins. And the way that he did that was he came personally as a man, and he died on the cross. That was the experience of the crucifixion. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus was a way of resolving the problem of sin between God and humanity. But that wasn't all. He rose from the dead, and when he resurrected from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit to humanity, to anyone who believed and trusted in him. And those people received the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, and they became spiritually alive. Now, there, of course, is a difference between Adam and Eve and us today, who are made alive by the Spirit of God. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, the Holy Spirit departed from within them. When we sin, our sin is no longer held against us because of what Jesus did for us already. So there is no sin that we can commit that would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from us ever again. So the life that we have, the spiritual life that we now have, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who is the Spirit of God, he has made us spiritually alive. We will never lose that life because there is no sin that was left unforgiven when he died on the cross. So the life that we have right now is an eternal life. We have eternal life right now. And when we physically die, this life will keep us alive and we will continue in the kingdom of heaven throughout all eternity because we will have a place in the kingdom of heaven, because we are a child of God, we have been made spiritually alive through the indwelling presence of his spirit. This is a general summary of the gospel. Like I said earlier, I have programs that I recorded specifically for this subject where I talk about this in more detail. In this program, I'm just giving you a summary and so that you can understand what I'm going to say about blessing us with every spiritual blessing, because the most important thing to get in touch with is that we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us if we are a Christian, if we are a believer, in accordance with the gospel. Now, if you have believed a partial gospel, something that sounds like God has forgiven me of my sins and so that I can go to heaven, you may very well be saved just from that, but I would encourage you to have a little bit more of a definition, a little bit more of a refined definition of your understanding of the gospel and have clarity between you and your God concerning the resurrection. 
The crucifixion certainly did change our relationship with our God because he no longer holds our sins against us. But the resurrection also changes our relationship with our God because now he dwells within us and he has resurrected us from the dead dwelling within us. And if you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, then you have been blessed by your God. And so this is the first blessing that I would like you to understand and to understand it as a spiritual blessing because it is the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that you have within you. So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, this is a way of understanding that when he dwells within you, you have been blessed with a spiritual blessing. And there really is no greater blessing than the presence of your God within you. He designed us to dwell within us, and so we definitely will not function as he intended, or as he would like, without his life being within us. So the Holy Spirit of God given to us is the blessing. That is the true and complete blessing. Everything else, all the other descriptions of spiritual blessings are a part of the whole of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. All of the individual blessings that he speaks of are a part or another way to understand the spiritual blessing of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. Now, in the following verses, in several of the verses here in Ephesians chapter 1, he speaks of some of these spiritual blessings. And I will speak about each one of them individually as I am going through this chapter verse by verse. But for now, let me give you an example of what I mean by the Holy Spirit is the whole. And these are descriptions and so that we can have a better understanding of the whole blessing that we have received in the sense of the person of our God. Consider verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. The fact that he chose us, the fact that we have been chosen. Now, there are many people who believe that we are chosen on an individual basis. I don't think that that is what he's talking about here. It is my opinion that he's talking about the collective the collective in the sense of the body of Christ, and that he chose a certain kind of person. What kind of person would he want to have? The kind of person who would believe the gospel and receive him within them, receive Jesus in their heart, or receive the Holy Spirit within their spirit. There are many ways, of course, that we could describe this. But he's looking for those kinds of people who are willing to allow him to dwell within their spirits and be close to them in that way. That is the kind of person that he chose to have in his life. And the way that he chose was by offering that, by presenting that, by saying, I am willing to offer this. Is there anybody out there 
who's willing to accept this. Anybody who is willing to accept it is the kind of person that he chose. This is being blessed by God. It's another way to describe being saved. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, being adopted as a son or as a daughter respectively, as a child of God. This concept of adoption as a blessing, as a spiritual blessing, is another way to describe the giving of the Holy Spirit. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are made spiritually alive. You are made into a new creation in Christ Jesus, known as a child of God. Continuing into verse 6. In verse 6 he says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. To be accepted by God is a spiritual blessing. And when you have your God dwelling within you, and he will never leave you because he doesn't hold your sins against you anymore, that is an acceptance that you can only experience in a divine way from the divine person himself. He has given to us his acceptance. He has made us accepted in the beloved And this is secured and it is understood and represented by the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within our spirit. So the spiritual blessings on an individual basis can very well be described as individual parts or individual ways of understanding the giving of the Holy Spirit of God as a whole. Consider Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 where it says, In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Certainly, the forgiveness of sins is a gift from God. God graciously gave to us forgiveness. And he did that for the purpose of restoring the Holy Spirit to those who would surrender to the new covenant so that they can be made spiritually alive. And because the sin issue has been resolved through forgiveness, we have eternal life. And we have the forgiveness of sins in Him. When we are in Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness. Certainly, the entire world has also been forgiven. And so, in Him we have forgiveness. Out of Him we have forgiveness. But in Him we experience the benefit of forgiveness, and that is the giving of the Holy Spirit. So we have the spiritual blessing of forgiveness, and we have the spiritual blessing of the eternal placement, the eternal gift of the Holy Spirit of God that makes us alive eternally. And these are parts of the whole of the giving of God himself to us. He has given himself to us. Consider verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He forgave us in a prudent way, and he did so in an act of wisdom, and he has given us his wisdom concerning forgiveness. In this way, we can know our God more. And I will continue with this in the next program. 
You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.